0: whole chapter, but I want you to turn to First Timothy chapter 4, and instead of us, I was going to read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I um, want to uh, read just a a couple of verses, and I'm going to emphasize those, and then we will um, take a look. I don't know if this is going to be a Bible study. It may be a sermon. It may be a Bible study. We'll just wait and see what happens. But I'd like for us to look at verse 7, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says there, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And then I'd like for you to look down to verse 11. Bible says there are these things command and teach and I'm going to uh, preach teach about spiritual pursuits that are ordered by the Lord and I want us to ask the Lord tonight that he would just on this first Sunday night of the year that he would touch our lives and minister to our hearts Lord we're thankful for your goodness thankful, Lord, for your spirit. And I ask you, Lord, tonight, God, as we have, Lord, prayed so many times in the past, that you would let your word, God, settle into our hearts and our spirits, and that there would be something, God, that you would bring forth, Lord, not for just one or two, but I pray, Lord, tonight that every one of us, God, would benefit, that there would be some encouragement, and there would be a touch, Lord, of of God's strength that you would bring, Lord, to every one of us. God, this is a new year, and I know, Lord, that there's things, God, that we all want to accomplish and see you do, Lord, in our lives and in our church. And I pray, Lord, that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And I will say, uh, as far as the uh, church Uh, the prayer, I will uh, do my best. I'm usually here every morning fairly, I say fairly early. It's not 5.30 or 6, but uh, usually sometime between 8 and 9. And so I will try to make sure that the door is unlocked uh, for you over um, every morning, uh, beginning around 9 o'clock. And for those of you that are Uh, concerned about security, Uh, I will be getting in contact with Harris Security this week, and we'll probably put up a couple of video cameras uh, for the entrances so that we can make sure that every uh, we're trying to dot all of our I's and cross all of our T's. Spiritual pursuits that are ordered by the Lord. I'd like to read these verses to you in Uh, the New Living Translation, it says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly and teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. And then from the Amplified Bible, the Bible says, "But but refuse and avoid irreverent legends, Profane and impure and godless fictions, mere grandmother's tales and silly myths, and express your disapproval of them. Train yourself toward godliness or piety, keeping yourself spiritually fit. And then verse 11, continue to command these things and to teach them. And then from the Weymouth translation, but worldly stories fit only credulous old women have nothing to do with. Train yourself in godliness and exercise for the body is not useless, but godliness is useful in every respect, possessing as it does the promise of life now and of the life which is soon coming. Command this and teach this and let no one think slidingly of you because you are a young man and i want to uh tonight to encourage you and I the uh, they did mention uh this morning i would like for for all of you to um brother Abersole, uh generally every year uh orders a number of of calendars and i know you may have a daily planner uh you may have a google calendar you may use your iphone uh, for various things, but, but what I would just encourage you to do is to get one of these uh, little planters that, that is out there at the welcome station, and uh, you can just in your own way, ever how you choose to do so, uh, that you can kind of use this thing as a part to say whether you have prayed, and I, I don't want to start a checkoff list because I, I know that sometimes that uh, a checkoff list can be a beast, Uh, to try to fulfill, but I I do think that there's something that if you would write down uh, in that little block for the date, whether you have prayed or read your Bible, uh, that as you do this through the year and you look at it, uh, that it can be very encouraging, especially whenever the devil starts trying to drag up things in your mind And in your life, you can just pull this thing out and just take a look and say, you know what, I may not be Elijah calling down fire from heaven, but there is a devotion that I have in my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to try to do everything that I can to encourage and to inspire you. Most of us, I would think that as you start getting older, you have a physician Uh, Somebody that you probably see once a year, whether that's in January or some other month of the year, you walk into a physician's office and you let them draw blood, they take your blood pressure, your vital signs, and uh, they look over things in your life and uh, they begin to give a report to you, and most of the time, we don't uh, get too upset whenever they tell us that we need to get more exercise, we're not eating what we ought to be eating, and uh, that we need to lose some weight. Uh, This year, uh, we have gotten to 2021, and uh, I don't know, maybe you have seen this as a very carnal illustration, but if you know who Wally Coyote is, and you've ever seen a picture of him after the Road Runner has uh, worked him over, and he's sitting there, and his his uh, tongue's hanging out, and and uh, the stick of dynamite is blown up right next to him, and he stands there, and every hair is standing out, and he's just got this. Um, funny look on his face. I think that most of us probably can say that 2020 roasted, toasted, blasted, ground us under its foot, and yet here we are tonight, we are worshiping the Lord, and we've been in a place of worship here today. I thank God again that... that um, that we don't know. And I uh, did when I was preparing this message. I went back and I got on that fancy little uh, deal called YouTube and I started looking back at some of the prophets uh, that had uh, spoken about that the year of 2020 was going to be a year of fruitfulness and favor and all sorts of other stuff. Obviously, they missed it. And uh, they did not nail it down, and their word from the Lord was not really too accurate and uh, And yet the fact remains that there was a sense, a prevailing sense of the Lord that we had here in this church uh this past year, despite what we had uh to deal with and And so at the beginning of the year, I uh, think that probably most of us that we, uh, like to sit down and write out some resolutions, some goals. I don't know if you do that. I enjoy doing that. And one of the reasons that I do is what it does is it gives me something to shoot at uh, as the year goes by. And I, I believe that uh, despite that, sometimes we hear what sociologists have to say. And they say that generally the gym memberships that start in the new year, that often they only last about three weeks and then everybody gets back into their regular uh, habits. And I, I would uh, say here tonight that if we could take this chapter that that Paul has written to Timothy and let it be a guide for us and for us not uh, to let this slip aside in three weeks that I believe that they are some things that Paul left for us that could be very beneficial to not just a preacher or pastor or missionary or whoever, but it could be beneficial for every single one of us here tonight. Timothy, whenever Paul writes this letter to him, he's the pastor of the church in Ephesus. At that time, that church was the largest church and probably whenever you look. An ancient apostolic history that the church in Ephesus was the largest out of all of them. It, it was a place where uh, that, that the apostle John, he was a member of that church. There are some that point out the fact about how that Mary, even the mother of Jesus, that there were times where the sheep visited the church whenever Timothy was the pastor there. But whenever you look at the focus of the verses that I have read here to you tonight, that last phrase in verse seven, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. And then verse 11, teach these things, or these things, command and teach. What are we exercising or what are we giving ourselves some discipline to? Well, if you look at the first six verses there in uh, that, that chapter there, Paul opens up and he tells Timothy, he said, Timothy he said, you need to be able to expose false teachers and evil doctrines. In fact, he sums it up and he says, I want you to know Timothy, that in the last days, in the latter times, there are going to be some that will depart from the faith and they will give heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of devils. And he goes on and describes what those false teachers look like through verse 6. And he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you ought to be able to know the gospel well enough. So that anybody that would ask you about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ or what uh, the atonement is or the resurrection of the Lord. You need to be able to, to to speak that in a way so that people can connect that. And then he gets to verse six. Notice what he says there. He said, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. Do you realize there uh, can be bad doctrine? We ought to know that, that there can be doctrine that is not helpful or useful for us. And so he tells Timothy, he said, Timothy, I I don't want you just to rely on what I have told you, but I want you to feed yourself. I want you to be able to give yourself Uh, to this matter of nourishing yourself. And then uh, he says in verse seven there, he says, Timothy, he said, I want you to reject uh, profane and old wives' fables. What was he talking about? He was talking about, he said, I want you to reject any kind of profane and any kind of empty living that you might find there to be expressed. In the first century, there was a trap that Timothy could have been enticed into, and and that is that he got involved in profane ways to live out uh, his life. And and the words that, that Paul uses is to say, that they are pointless and they're worthless and they're empty and they're frivolous matters that uh, are brought about, and you can live your life in the pursuit of those particular things. And all they do is they just burn up the clock that is in your life. But he also says, then there's something else for you to look at, and that is the latter half of verse 7 Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And here is what he's telling us to do. He's saying, I I want you to know, Timothy, that I don't want you just to try to make sure that the church in Ephesus is a great church, but I want you, Timothy, to make sure that your own life Is in the pursuit of holiness just as well as that church is there in Ephesus. And so whenever you start asking yourself the question, what does godliness look like? You can see it there in verses 7 through 10. Now that's not an all-inclusive list that I would uh, tell you about here tonight. but, But there are things that you can read about. In those verses where that he is speaking to that matter of godliness. And uh, I I didn't give you this reference, uh, Clay, but I I want you to look back up a few pages and I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. And if you're a Bible reader, this is going to be a familiar passage of Scripture that you have that you've read before. But look with me to verse 22, Ephesians 4, and 22. The Bible says that you put off the You put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore put away lying and speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be angry and sin not don't let the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil but let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying and that it may minister grace unto the ears and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake had forgiven you. And so you look at that I, that emphasis of that verse there in verse 23 is for you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I, I pray that that happens to every single one of us here in this church today, that there would be a renewal of the spirit of our mind. 2020 was not a kind year for most of us. There uh, were things again, pressures and concerns and worries that, that we had in our mind. But what is Paul telling us that we need to have renewal of the spirit in our mind. But he goes on there in verse 11, 1 Timothy 4, command and teach others. Those are two imperatives that uh, Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, he said, this is how your preaching is to be carried out. You are to teach and you are to command others that they should do that. Timothy was a young man and whenever you start looking at this matter, I say young man, he was somewhere between the ages of 35 and 45 years old whenever Paul wrote this letter to him there as pastor at Ephesus and he comes along and he's telling Timothy, a young man, that, that when you read about him that there's times where he was somewhat sickly because the Bible tells us that Paul told him to take a little wine for his stomach's sake. Now again, I know that some people are thrilled to hear that verse and they would say that we're going to take a little wine for our stomach's sake. But the fact is that Paul was saying that, that this was to be used in a medicinal form and that if you've got problems with your stomach, it's okay to take some medicine. Now I know there were preachers in the past, particularly in the early apostolic movement, that they uh, refused to take medicine because they felt like that, that uh, would it be a sin against the Lord? And for whatever reason, the Lord very well may have honored that. But the Bible tells us that Timothy was a sickly young man, he struggled with worry and doubt. and uh, and there were times where it was almost like that he hesitated to really just bear down and to just preach the gospel and to preach the word in an authoritative manner to those people there uh, in Ephesus and so it is that Paul is telling Timothy you command and you teach others and then in verse 12 was a, a verse that I memorized years ago in one of the Sunday school classes let no man despite your youth but be thou an example to all of the believers and there is something about it that Paul was telling Timothy he said Timothy I want you to live an exemplary life I want you to live a life that is filled with honor and you will be a godly man in that and then verse 13 there is something else that we find there till I come give attendance to reading To exhortation and to doctrine. I like the way that the ESV and the New American Standard brings about verse 13 because it talks about how that you are to give attendance to the public reading of scripture, which that's what we practice here in the church. If you wonder why that on Sunday nights that we read through scriptures together, where that everybody is reading them, that is the verse that we look to. That was something that the early church did, that they would stand up and they would read segments out of the Psalms, out of the law and out of the prophets and Paul was telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, and then of course later on the epistles would come through those churches there. And then look with me there again in that part in verse 13, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Timothy, you need to devote yourself to the scriptures. You need not only to that have that, but you need to master the scriptures there. We live in an age where that we are masters, all of us are masters at something every one of us here tonight there are things that that we master hobbies recreation uh digital media uh personal interests some i, I know that there i have some friends that uh even though they're pastors are involved with with looking at uh are involved with with uh old cars and fixing them but all of us there are personal interests that we have and whenever you begin to ask somebody about that interest there they can begin to tell you a few years ago I started uh, it was I think probably in 2013 or so I was invited to preach out uh, for brother Douglas Walker out in California and uh, he had a fountain pen there on his desk and so I picked up that fountain pen never really written uh, with one before and I started uh, with fountain pens and he told me, he said, you know, he said, you really ought to just go buy you a fountain pen and I had no idea what I was getting into but I went and bought one and I thought, man, these things are pretty uh, expensive but I bought a a cross fountain pen and let it sit in my desk for probably a year or so before I started using it and then one day I made the uh, mistake or whatever you want to call it of looking up fountain pens on YouTube and I found uh, there are all sorts. Of people that will sit down in front of a, a digital camera or a, a camcorder and they'll talk about fountain pens and about nibs and about uh, whether or not it is a fine nib or a medium nib or whether it is a broad nib, how much flex is in the nib and what kind of inks uh, that are there, which one is the best quality. And I'll tell you, it won't be long before you will be hooked into that and then. I discovered that I would talk to other people that would listen to me. I'd talk to them about those fountain pens. All of us are like that, whether we want to admit it or not, that there are things that you will talk to other people about. You'll talk to them about football. You'll talk to them about baseball. You'll talk to them about cabinet making. You'll talk to them about power tools or fishing lures or shotguns or four-wheelers or whatever the ladies are involved in. You talk to people about that. Why? Because there is an element of mastery that you have there in your life. But what if here tonight that all of a sudden every one of the study Bibles were taken away from us? How much of the scriptures could you explain without the help of a study Bible. How how much of the scriptures could you explain without BlueLetterBible.org or without the commentaries that you find on the U Version app? How much of the scriptures could you be able to tell people about there? How much of the Word have you personally mastered? Could you defend or declare or explain doctrinal points in the Word of the Lord? If I where do you? I've used this illustration. Before, If I was to say, all right, I am going to bring you up here on this platform and I'm going to sit you in a chair and you have to talk for 10 minutes about the word of God. And uh, if you can't talk solid 10 minutes about scripture and connect the dots and it not just be some mumbo jumbo, then we're going to shoot you right here and you're going to be done for. We're going to bear you. How many of you here tonight could sit down in a chair and talk? Talk to me about Scripture for 10 minutes and it makes sense. How many of you could talk to me for an hour about why you think that Alabama, the crimson tide, is going to knock off the Ohio State Buckeyes here in the next few days or so? And that tells us the status of our soul. If we could talk more, and it doesn't matter whether it's Alabama or Auburn or whoever it may be or whatever subject that it may be, if we could talk about those things more than what we could talk about the Word of God or the Kingdom of God, then that is what we have to say. God, forgive us and help us to repent of our lack of of being able to say that your Word and prayer is a priority that we have in our lives. There's a lot of surveys that have been done in the last decade that literally have shown us how biblically illiterate that the church is. It doesn't matter what strike that it is. It's just showing that the bulk of people that go to churches, that they are biblically illiterate. And Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, he said, I want you to get grounded in the right doctrine and give attendance to the public reading of the Scripture. And then what else he says there in verse 15, he tells us, he says, you meditate upon these things and give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to everyone. Devote yourself to Jesus Christ. The New American Standard says it like this, take pains with these things and and be absorbed in them so that your progress is going to be evident to you. To everybody, to everybody, be absorbed in this. And then the last verse there, verse 16, Take heed to yourself, to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Never stop examining yourself. Don't don't ever get to the place where that there is not a matter of self-examination that's taking place there in your life. So so we uh, are obligated to train ourselves, and and that word there, that exercise, the Greek word there in verse seven, uh, there exercise yourself rather unto godliness. The word there is is. Gumnazo, which uh, we get our English word gymnasium. What do you do when you go to a gymnasium? You're there uh, to, to go in there and whatever sport that they're hosting, you're going to go in there and you're going to exercise yourself toward that particular thing that 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 tells us that there uh, is a matter that if you're going to compete, there's going to be vigorous training and there is going to be self-control that is in your uh, your life. I I woke up this morning and I did not feel good. And uh, my wife, I didn't get to church until about ten minutes till nine, which is very late for me to be getting here on a Sunday morning. I I did not feel good this morning, and um, Teresa was was talking to me, and I think she is a little concerned now. Here is what Teresa doesn't know is that last night that her and Lauren and and Addie and Asher visited uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. And obviously, it was buy one, get one free. And so when I got home last night from church, it was pushing midnight, and one donut was gone out of that box of donuts. And so uh, I got in there, and I started eating donuts. And I'm not going to tell you how many I ate, uh, but I ate some donuts and when I woke up this morning, I thought, oh my Lord, what in the world is the matter? I just don't feel good. My my blood sugar, I don't know how high it got during the night, but it probably uh, was not within normal limits it probably was pretty elevated and I just felt crummy this morning and and, and you still you're like well I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go and, and I and I was thankful this morning service was a blessing to me I don't know if you thought that or not but this morning was just a blessing and so but, but just here's what I've come to realize that what you put into your mouth is going to affect your body there's got to be some training that's involved in that so we have to realize that what we put into our minds that there is going to conversely have a benefit or it's either going to be a liability about what we have in our spiritual man. That's why I want to beg you here tonight that our world is so full of distractions that we cannot afford to let our souls slump off into something into an area that is Not going to motivate my praying. It's not going to motivate my worship. It's not going to help me pull things to my mind through scripture. This word here is used in three other verses. Two of those are are negative, and one of them is positive. Here's one of the positive ones Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What's he saying? He's saying that there's an exercise that uh, your mind is given to an ability to be able to discern good and evil. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. Now no chastening for the present Seemeth to be joyous But but grievous Nevertheless Afterward it yieldeth The peaceable fruit of righteousness Unto them which are exercised Thereby What he's saying is this Is that the discipline And the work of God In our lives Then there's times where That we have to know That it is positive That the Lord has disciplined us And he's kind of taking the belt out or took the keys away from us or put us on restriction and he's helped us and then in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 14 this is a negative part here's what Peter says chapter 2 and verse 14 having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin you see how there's an insatiable appetite once you start sinning that there's a craving that continues to just move you in that direction he says they Beguile unstable souls, and they have a heart that is exercised with covetous practices. They are cursed children. Now, here is what the scary part about 2 Peter chapter 2 is. If I were to ask you here tonight, what, what is 2 Peter chapter 2 about? Off the top of your head, can anybody just tell me what 2 Peter chapter 2 is about? The reason that 2 Peter chapter 2 is important to me is because that whole entire chapter is a profile of a false teacher. And so Paul or Peter was writing. He wasn't talking about uh, just regular old folks. He was talking about false teachers. And he said, here's a profile that they have, that, that their eyes are full of adultery. They can't cease from sin and they be, they beguiled. they They deceive unstable souls. And why is that? Because they have a heart that is exercised. It's been disciplined. It's been trained toward covetous practices. What does that mean? That means that uh, I'll prophesy over you and I'll give you a good prophecy, but if you'll just send your seed in and you'll sow your seed. I don't know if you've ever heard any of those guys say that, but don't give them your money. Don't send them your money. If they say you're gonna sow a hundred dollar seed and I promise you God's gonna give you a thousand dollars back. What does Peter say about that? He says these people are going to deceive others, because because they're covetous. And that's what scripture is for. But that word there, and so too many people, whenever they hear that command that, that you are to discipline yourself toward godliness and they they say that you're, you mean I'm supposed to discipline myself? I'm supposed to train myself? I'm supposed to give some work to this matter of my spiritual being? There's sometimes a hesitation for people that are just, what I'm gonna say average saints say, Oh, I don't need to do that. That's what Brother Patterson, Brother Harrelson, that's what our lay ministers ought to be doing. But I'm just going to tell you here tonight that every one of us here in this room, we have an obligation because most of you are involved in some kind of ministry in this church that here's what this church needs to be driven by. We need to be driven by Acts 6 and 4, prayer and ministry of the word. Everything we do, I ought to be focused in on that. I realize we, people say, well, the church is a so, positive social output or whatever. I understand that. But what is really the main course of the church? is prayer and ministry of the word. Why are we to give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word? Because those are the two avenues that the Lord has chosen for us to evangelize and to work and to get people into the church, not for them to come in here and be put off and say, oh man, the music is awesome. Oh man, the preacher is so charismatic. He's so cool. And man, y'all have a great youth program you got a great this or that or the other if it's not driven by prayer and if it's not driven by the ministry of the word it will collapse over time and so Paul is coming along and he's telling Timothy he's saying Timothy he's saying I want you to give discipline yourself toward that particular matter but, but people say oh that's legalism no it's not legalism Because let me tell you what the concern of a legalist is. A legalist is concerned about outward appearance. All you have to do is read Matthew 23. Whenever the Lord starts looking at that, Woe to you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. I've underlined that in my Bible, in my Thompson chain, every verse where that that phrase comes about, woe to you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, you you bunch of snakes, you vipers, you you are taking advantage of people. What was their whole entire life about? It was a matter of legalism so that everybody could look at their outward part and that they would say, man, look how holy that these people are. the fact is, is that a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that outward part's not going to motivate them at all. Now, don't take what I'm saying and say, oh, our outward appearance doesn't matter. Oh, yes, it does. last three months, you've seen it. The most ignorant part in the world, that they've got men now, that they, they're making dresses for men, and and uh, some of these actors that are in, they had one of them on the front of a, a major league magazine journal in the United States, and he was there, and he was all decked out uh, in a dress, and they had him all made up, and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you what, gender confusion in our generation is a very deceptive practice, and so we have to say that it does matter how I conduct myself and what presentation that I make whether I'm a male or whether I'm a female and that spirit of deception and I can't believe that I've lived long enough to have to stand here in a pulpit and people say well that's not politically correct what you're saying that's not religiously correct what you're saying I go back to Romans chapter 1 professing themselves to be wise they became fools and what did Jesus key in on in the Olivet Discourse he said I tell you this he said before I come back and before the church is swept out of here you better make sure that you are not deceived if ever there was a time for us to get a hold of the truth and the word of God it's now doctrine matters it's not just a bore. people used to say oh doctrine is boring I'm going to tell you you better Get the apostolic doctrine in your heart and in your spirit because if you don't, you will be deceived. You'll be deceived. That's why I need to be a word preacher. Brother Patterson needs to be a word preacher. Brother Wells, all of our lay ministers need to be word preachers. You need to be a word teacher in your Sunday school class. Now, now here's what Paul, that motivation, Paul never gave an inch to any legalist. I want you to turn to this in your Bible so you'll see. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, and let's look in verse 10. 10, 1 corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 here is what the bible has to say it says it like this paul writing these words first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10 and here's what he says he says but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, it was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Do you see Then there are people that want to key in and say, oh, it's grace. You don't have to worry about anything, but right here in this scripture, what is Paul saying? He said, I'm gonna tell you what he said. It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. He said, but I want you to know that there was the grace of God that was inside of me, but I also labored with everything inside of me. And so that I gave myself to this matter. Okay. So that's why you need this little calendar that brother AbraSol has given to us for you to write down and you to look at your training level. If you were an athlete, you'd write down your calories per day. Some of y'all track that with your phone and, and I need to do that as well and you track your calories and you track your exercise and you track your weight and nobody thinks anything about that but if I was to ask you how's your spiritual training going you look at me like I had hit you right between the eyes with a ball bat like oh my lord what is he talking about we'll get to that in a little bit more but here's the part that Paul made daily choices that moved him toward personal godliness. Now, now, Timothy didn't have everything going for him. You realize he had, a, he had a dad that was not in the church? If you look, turn back in your Bibles again and look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I want you to <coughs> look at what Paul writes to him. Look in, in verse 3. He says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went in unto Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, rather than the godly edifying which is in faith, and so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned and from some having swerved and turned aside from vain jangling. And he talks about that fact that Timothy was not in the most opportune place for spiritual growth to take place in his life. And then he mentions his mother and his grandmother. It talks about them being able uh, to have some spiritual input into their lives. Why? Why was that important? Because his dad was a pagan. Some even think that he perhaps could have been a Roman or a Greek soldier that uh, just came along and 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 there was. He got caught up with Timothy's mother and got involved in that, and they had a child, or they got married and had a child, and his dad was a, a self centered, philandering, humanistic pagan. I'll just tell you, men here tonight, that this thing about church is not just for women. You need to have a very strong influence in your sons and in your daughters' lives. Let that sink in a little bit. Men, your wife should not be the spiritual leader in the home. Fathers, you need to be the spiritual leader in your home. There needs to be an impact that you have on your children. And so it was that, that 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 Timothy was there in that place there in Ephesus. He he was there that uh that Ephesus was full uh, of sensuality and materialism and amusements and, and distractions. You read about in Acts chapter 19 where that uh, they burnt all of their books, the curious arts, and that there was a lot of demonic, and occultic practices that were taking place there uh, in that that city of Ephesus. And and Timothy was right there in the middle of it. It was a seaport place. It was a place where uh, that trade routes came together. Every stripe of person come through that city, which tells me it brought in a lot of spiritual traffic of spirits as well. And Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, there are some things that you need to give yourself to. And some of the reasons that Paul wrote to Timothy in verse 7 of chapter 4 about exercising himself rather unto godliness uh, was because of the fact that it was a time for him to be very unfocused. And that there were things in Ephesus that would come against him to neutralize his spirit whether it be the flesh, whether it be a demonic spirit. And trust me, we have demonic spirits even right here in the area where that we're at and to be marginalized and laughed at perhaps by the city there. And and so if ever there was a scripture that tells us that we ought to be focused in 2021, that's a scripture that tells us that we ought to be focused. Because we have American materialism that's all around us. We live in a digital society which caters to a lot of the lust that we can have in our lives. Never. Has there been a society that has been as filled with such widespread sensuality? Parents, you need to be paying attention to what your children are getting on their their tablets and what they're getting on their their iPhones, their smartphones. There are all sorts of influences that come across there. I'm going to venture into some nervous territory here tonight, maybe nervous for you and perhaps even for me as well. I started really started paying attention to some of the, some of the things that, that our children perhaps are being exposed to in, in our world. And I've talked to my family about this. And I got to looking at, at some of those characters in some of the Disney movies. And I'm just going to throw this out here, and you can do what you want to do with it. But those girls that are dressed in those movies and how they're dressed... And, and, I, and I sit down and I say, and I don't even know, I just have seen some of the images there of it. What, what if I was to take that and make it an image that was not animated, that it was a real person? What if I watched that and it was a real person? Would you think that was appropriate for me to be watching? You say, like, oh, my Lord, Brother Harrelson, you ought not to be looking at that stuff like that. that is <laughs> well, I just can't believe you sit there and watch that kind of stuff. But we don't think anything about it because it's, quote, unquote, a cartoon. Listen to me. The devil has an agenda. He's got a plan for your children. And so all of our Sunday school teachers and youth workers, that ought to be in the back of your mind. Every time you come to church, that you ought to think, well, if they've got an agenda and they've got a plan, then everything we do in this church, there ought to be a plan about it. We ought to be trying to get the word. We ought to be trying to do every prayer, praying for your children, dragging them into the altar, laying your hands on them and praying for them at night while they're asleep. If the devil's got a plan for our children, the apostolic church ought to have a plan for our children and for our grandchildren as well. We've got to be vigilant in our society. We've got to be vigilant in our days. Amusements and restaurants on every corner, sports that captivate us, news junkies can get 24-7, 365, and the vast majority of Americans are so digitally connected in such a way that they no longer communicate the way that past generations communicate. That now we text. Say, oh, I'd rather text. Why would you rather text? Because it's quicker? Okay. LOL. YW. Thumbs up. A little heart that you love it. A little thumbs up that you like it. A little exclamation part. Man, we got our communication Just like that. I don't want to talk to people. I love y'all, but I'm right. (laughs) Husbands and wives do not have meaningful conversations. And the enemy knows what he's doing. It takes real discipline to move us into a place of personal godliness. Godliness. Over the years, I have read a number of books that I have in my personal library that I've enjoyed reading these books. A book that I bought probably close to 30 years ago, R. Kent Hughes, The Disciplines of a Godly Man. And he and his wife wrote uh, a book together, The Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Donald Whitney, Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritual Life. Oswald Sanders spiritual leadership, Frank DiMaggio, the making of a leader, Patrick Morley, the man in the mirror, Stu Weber, four pillars of a man's heart, Jerry Bridges, the pursuit of holiness, even Rick Warren, the purpose-driven life, Richard Foster, a celebration of discipline. And you say, well, you you like to read. You you like reading books. I just want to say this here to you tonight that reading and spiritual growth always are going to go hand in hand. And in 2021, you ought to make it a habit of becoming a man or woman that reads books. These books have had spiritual influence in my life. Some of them are Kent Hughes. are 17 disciplines that he has in his book. Rick Warren, 40 things that he has in his book. Jerry Bridges has five in his book. Richard Foster has 12 in his book. And you say, but you're a preacher. No, I'm a saint that God called to preach. And I walk through a world that is just like Pilgrim's Progress and that there are all sorts of attacks and I meet people all along the way. I met Mr. Worldly Wise Man. I, I have met ignorance. I have met pliable. I have met giant despair. i met all of those characters that are talked about there in Pilgrim's Progress and I am just telling you here tonight that the most important goal in my life is for me to make it to heaven That's the number one goal in my life It's not to make a bunch of money. It's not to have a bunch of things that I can say this is my kingdom. It's my goal to make it to heaven and everything else is way far down the list, but there's gonna be things that's gonna come against me and there's gotta be a part where I exercise myself to discipline and to God spiritual disciplines what do they include meditation prayer study fasting those are the common ones that we think about but there are others submission solitude service that sometimes we forget now i've got six exercises and i've been preaching for 45 minutes i think i think i set my timer at 45 I've got six exercises, and I'm going to go through them real quickly. Here's what Paul says for Timothy: he says Timothy he says you need to exercise. First of all, look at verse 11. He said, "These things command and teach." Do you know where to go in the Bible whenever something confronts you? Do you know the truth? Can you defend it? i read similar stories like this, and uh, Recently again. I read another story. A young man graduated from a seminary. He'd gone to Bible college for three years and then gone on to a seminary for four years. And had gone to pastor a church. And when he got to that church and started preaching, he discovered that there were there were people that were older than him that were in their fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. And he would start talking to them and he was amazed at how much scripture that these people knew. They didn't know Greek and Hebrew, but they knew things about the scriptures that millennials didn't know because a lot of us didn't grow up with the Bible like previous generations have. They didn't know 200 channels on TVs. They didn't know about thousands of websites. They didn't know about YouTube. They didn't know about Rumble. They didn't know about Vimeo. Uh, They didn't know about PlayStation. They didn't know about Xbox. They didn't know about smartphone apps. They didn't know a whole lot about the digital society, but they had mastered the truth and they loved the truth. And so when you master the truth and you love the truth, what happens? Then you live the truth. My dad said something to me just a few minutes ago. He was talking about the song that Lauren sang this morning about the alabaster box. There are two anointings in the scriptures where that women anointed the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one description that talks about the alabaster box of oil. There's another that speaks of the anointing with the tears. Are those the same woman or are those two separate instances? Well, critics of the Bible come along and they, they will say that whenever there's not a certainty that we can say, well, we don't know. We don't know if that was the same individual or not. But when you know the answer to the fact that whenever you look at the Gospels and know that it was written, especially the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that all of them, that if they were like Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were standing out on the sidewalk and they looked out across and they saw an accident that took place at uh, the intersection out there, Cottonwood Road and, and the circle, they saw that, they witnessed it. But if you were to get them all separately and say, tell me what you saw, they probably would describe the same instance three different ways. And yet critics of the Bible want to come along and say, see there, the Bible doesn't match up. Y'all don't even know. There's other places in Scripture where it speaks of the Lord feeding a multitude of 4,000. There's another where it speaks of the Lord feeding a multitude of 5,000. Was he talking about the same event? Or was he talking about two separate events? And here's what happens. The, The enemy of Scripture, which is the devil... Same thing that was going on in Genesis 3. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it was 4,000 or 5,000. It doesn't matter whether it was the same event or whether it was a separate event. We just know that when we read the Scriptures and we look at them from three different angles, That you've got three different people that perhaps are describing the same thing in a different way. Don't let the enemy try to pull you off of it. You say, I'm going to make up in my mind that I'm going to master scripture. The second exercise for devotion as we see in verse 6. Here's what he says. He says that, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith. And so there's the exercise of devotion. We need to read the Bible for ourselves. Obviously, we are going to have some dependence on pastors and teachers. And I'll tell you, even this morning, listen to Brother Wells. Brother Wells is a, is a fresh voice for our church right now because he's, he's a new guy that's come in. And I sit there and I, I'll tell you, I got four or five things that he sent me off in a direction to think that's why you need somebody speaking and preaching to you because what they do is they take the word of God and they move it into an area so that you can exercise your devotion. Look at verse 7. This is the exercise of time investment. Reject pointless, fruitless, and wasteful matters. Old wise fables aren't necessarily sinful, but they're time robbers. And Paul said it's profane. And it's like sitcoms. And I don't know about this sitcom, but I recently read a description of something called The Office. Apparently it's a sitcom and it's... It's mocking religious and righteous values. And here's what the enemy does. He gets us laughing at the sins of people. And if you can laugh at something on a sitcom, then what's he doing? He's pulling you away from your devotion. And so Paul said, number three, there's an investment. There's an exercise of time investment. And then in verse seven, exercise yourself rather to godliness, the exercise of personal integrity. What what if somebody was to come up and to ask you about your workout? Oh, I'm lifting, uh, I can bench press 150 pounds, I can squat 250 pounds, I can run a 10-minute mile, I can ride a bicycle in one hour, I can ride a bicycle 13 miles, and people don't think in. And I weighed uh, such and so weight, and I took in a certain amount of calories, and nobody thinks anything about it. But if I was to come up to you and ask you, how much time have you spent in the Word of God this week? And what has the Lord personally spoken to you through Scripture? Then we start, like, oh my goodness, what's he talking about? Last Sunday night, come to the piano, Sister Regina, so you can save these poor people from this misery. Uh last Sunday night in the altar, uh Kara was over here praying, and and so I just went over and I told Kara, I said, Kara, I'm, I'm gonna pray for you. Uh brother Britt told me at our last district board meeting that he has allowed Kara to teach one of the classes. And in that class, he said, It's unbelievable. He said she's got in there. And she started teaching. He said those kids are like all of a sudden they're digging around in their Bibles and they're they're looking. So I, I just told Kara, I said, Kara is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lay my hands on you and I'm gonna pray for you that the Lord is going to give you some discipline and what you need to be able to teach scripture in that Sunday school class or to those youth. And so I prayed for 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 Kara. And then Tab was standing next to Kara. And this year for Christmas, Tab wanted a, a journaling Bible. So Teresa and I got her a journaling Bible. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to pray for She's not my daughter-in-law. She's my daughter now. So I'm just going to pray for my daughter. Just The Lord's going to help her. So I laid hands on Tab and basically prayed the same thing for her. God, let, let her have the Discipline that she needs, give her a craving and a hunger for the Word of God. And then I moved over to Alyssa. I wish now I would have went around and prayed for all of you, but I prayed for Alyssa as well because Alyssa's working with the younger kids in in Sunday school, and I just prayed for her to be able to take those Bible stories, those songs, whatever. It is that she's doing with those kids that she needs to be anointed just like I need the anointing. And so it's a matter of just saying, you know what? I'm going to exercise myself toward personal integrity. This morning I was looking around while Brother Wells was teaching. And obviously I couldn't see everybody, but I could see most everybody on the first couple of pews. And there were Bibles in people's laps. Brother Pierce had his Bible up. I looked around, I turned around, and Sister Amanda's Bible all marked up, highlighted, different coloring. I don't think she's turned her Bible into a coloring book. I think she's been studying and reading the Word of God. And I want this church we have got to get a hold of this matter of reading our Bibles. God speaks to us through his word. the fifth one is in verse 11. this is the exercise of discipleship 1 Timothy 4:11 all of us are commanded to teach others we're, we're required to be working with somebody to help them to improve in their relationship with the Lord. We're going to leave the church open for prayer. I'd love nothing more than for as this thing unfolds and develops for us to have to add, just like Brother Patterson and I don't have enough to do, but to maybe open up the hyphen classroom And on a 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning, we have a Bible study in there. We're going to go through this particular book in the Bible. And if two show up, if five show up, what's it doing? It's helping our church. The sixth thing is in verse 12 let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity in spirit, in faith, in purity that's the exercise of of mastery and uh, I was cleaning up we were cleaning up the church yesterday and some of you left your Bibles and I picked up your Bible and I opened it up and I looked in your Bible and there were things that were highlighted there were things that were underlined it's important for us to do that so we need to exercise our self to truth 1 Timothy 4 and 11 we need to have the personal discipline and exercise of devotion 1 Timothy 4 6 we need to have the exercise of time investment, 1 Timothy 4 and 7. We need to have the exercise of personal integrity, 1 Timothy 4 and 7. We need to have the exercise of discipleship, verse 11. And We need to have the exercise of mastery, verse 12. Are you going to discipline yourself for the Lord? Are you going to give up profane and mindless and worthless behaviors that are soul destructive? Are you going to make personal efforts to master the word? Are you going to submit yourself to the Lord and seek first his kingdom? Are you going to apply yourself to the better part of the kingdom? Are you going to be able to confront evil doctrine and false teaching? Can you nourish your own soul spiritually? Are you going to determine to have a disciplined time of prayer? Are you going to exercise yourself in time investment that's good? Are you going to give your life to personal integrity? Are you going to exercise your personal gifts for the advancement of the kingdom? my wife i told her this afternoon let's stand i preached way too long forgive me I told my wife this afternoon whenever she's talking about this thing for prayer i thought we we need to have somebody needs to be a prayer coordinator in this church somebody needs to have that to begin to develop in your life and not for you to say, oh you know i'm I'm going to leave it up to such and so. Here's where we're at, church. We need everybody that is a member of this church to get involved. We don't have much time left. We don't have much time left. I want to pray for you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, I am thankful, Lord, for your goodness. I ask you, Lord, tonight to let this word. I know, Lord, I preach too long. But I pray, God, that somehow, Lord, that what I've said, especially, Lord, what's been anchored in Scripture, is going to resonate, Lord, with the hearts, God, of, Lord, these are your saints. They don't belong to me. They don't belong to Brother Patterson. We're all saints. We're all striving. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you help us, God, to shake off the distractions of 2020. And I ask you, Lord, to not forgive us for not redeeming the time. Forgive us, Lord, if we have neglected our personal gifts in the last year. I pray, God, let this year be a year where we get our focus back. No matter what's going on in our world, I ask you, Lord, to not let there be an anointing of your spirit. We're going to give ourselves to discipline. Give ourselves, Lord, to the call of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'd like for you just to slip out. I'm not going to spend.